2: The following podcast contains explicit language.
3: Hello, and welcome to the product edition of Slate Money, your guide to business and finance and product. And all I can say is that you're in for a treat. The one most popular guest in the entire history of Slate Money, basically the greatest podcaster in the world, a man who has basically transcended mere mortality and become a product Ah, in ah. his own right, is back. Was that a way of saying he's a brand? (laughs) Mr. Paul Ford, welcome. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, let's do it. So, what do you, what do you want? What do I want? <laughs> so, Paul Ford, you may recall from the LinkedIn episode. If you haven't listened to the LinkedIn episode, go back and listen to the LinkedIn episode because it was an awesome episode. You know, I have a follow from that. I what? Follow-up. Okay, I,
2: I, I spoke at length about how there was one person who always I couldn't connect to, no matter how many times I clicked. Uh, yeah, and I've talked about this in other media platforms, but when I did Slate Money. Two days later, that bug was gone.
1: What? What? We that we have power is what you're telling us.
2: I think they didn't want me to keep talking about it anymore.
1: <laughs> they heard. They heard it. So, uh, this
2: is a show that gets things done. in In particular, it gets one guy removed from my
3: LinkedIn connection. <laughs> Apartment. That's that's awesome. Look, my so, life's
0: goals are complete now. We yeah. did it?
3: Okay, Mass so influence. let's so this is this is the plan. This is the plan for for this week's episode. We have obviously Paul Ford who um is, for those of you who are unacquainted with him, a internet based polymath. Great. Um <laughs> 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 he also runs a place called Postlight, which does things on the internet. But if you ask him what Postlight does, he's going to use this word product, which no one knows what it means. And we're going to spend this issue trying to like unpack that a little bit with Jordan Weissman of Slate. Hello. With Kathy O'Neill um, of mathbabe.org. Hello. And with me, Felix Salmon of Fusion. So we... Or uh, rather, I, because this was this was. If you want to take issue with the format here, blame me. This is entirely my idea. Yep. We still um, don't know
0: what Felix is talking.
3: Yep. About. This is going to be interesting. It's it. It made sense to my febrile Brooklyn-based brain. Um, was that we were going to try and answer this question, which I asked Paul briefly last week, and he well in the LinkedIn episode, and he answered briefly, but I feel like there's much more there, which is what is product. And I wanted to do it by looking at three of the biggest and best and most amazing and kind of astonishing products of the 21st century. Because the 21st century is still quite young, and yet we already have three of these things which are just enormous. And so um, maybe by the time we've talked about all three of these things and we've tried to work out what on earth they have in common and what what it is that makes them A, a product, and B, so valuable – um, we might have a clue how to speak Internet, which would – I don't know if this is a good thing, but we will see how it goes. Kathy, yeah. you have products number one.
0: I do. And it's technically – it was started in 1997. But it, – it, by the way, it's Google search. Mm-hmm. So those those dudes at Google, the founders, did it at Stanford as a research project, basically launched it in 1997.
2: It was called BackRub.
0: BackRub, mm-hmm. yes. And we can talk about why it was called BackRub. But – um. Since they didn't figure out how to make money with it until 2000, I think it, it goes. Um, it, it works for our for our uh, theme. So let's talk about Backrub for a second.
3: What? Well, yeah. What, is, I mean, what is Backrub, and why was it called Backrub? It
0: wasn't the first search engine, right? There was like Alta Vista. Oh, there
3: was many. There was Hotbot, which came
2: from Wired.
0: Wasn't Excite an excerpt?
2: Excite was one. Yeah. There was Alta Vista. Alta Vista was the big one. Alta Vista Yeah. Alta
3: one. Vista. I still actually have literally on my phone. I because the because of the way that. Um, bookmarks get imported like you know there are still like this long list of 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 search engines which i used to have with altavista and excite and Lycos, and and even all the way back to, like, Archie and Veronica, if you wanted to search, like, FTP space. And there was all manner of, like, crazy things that you would use. And Yahoo kind of worked as a search engine as well. You could go along to Yahoo and type what you were looking for into it, and something would come out the other end. So it was was by no means the first search engine.
0: But it was the first search engine, as far as I know, that really... Used a, a better algorithm that would actually avoid spam.
2: What it did is it looked at how the links uh, from one page to another it started to, to rank those and weight which pages that linked intelligently to other pages would show up higher. And that,
3: or more to the point, pages which were linked. Like as in, like if a bunch of people all linked to a certain page, that was an indication that the page being linked to was a kind of important page, and you wanted to prioritize it in right. search. So results.
0: they use links that it links as proxies for value by humans.
3: That's right. That's the paid rank algorithm. Mm-hmm.
0: That
2: is like that was the big DNA. And
3: of it
0: was all about people. backlinks, and they were like mm-hmm. massaging the backlinks. And well, that ca-
3: that came later when when SEO was invented. But but in the in- no no
0: that, that's how the actual algorithm ranks things is that why it's
3: called background yep it's
0: because uh, they were like looking into the backlink so much yeah
3: right
0: and if you want to be a math nerd it's all about eigenvalues and eigenvectors but let's let's
3: but just... but the yeah and i remember in the early no, days no no, the... no no wait wait okay, uh-huh. okay okay we need to go into the eigenvectors let's
2: explain, what the hell are is, is there an explanation that i could understand yeah yeah are or, you a math nerd i mean I not mean... how about how about
1: me i'm like really the lowest common denominator <laughs> yeah, well, here on okay this.
0: so mathematically speaking it's like the idea was they, they took a, a surfer, somebody who's, like, surfing on the Internet, and they just had them randomly click to get to the next page. Random click, random click, random click. And then they figured out the probability of landing on a given page. Okay. And that's sort of that. And that's the rank. So if the probability is high, then it gets upranked, right? If that, that means that it's easy to get there. that means there's lots of links to it, right? Oh, okay. But if you actually wanted to work this out... This is – you look at an, what's called an adjacency matrix, which should, like are ones and zeros, and ones if there's a link from this page to that page. Okay. And anyway, the point is that – So it's like look,
2: a game of Sudoku.
0: Um, in some sense. I mean, there's an adjacency matrix. It's fun you to take, watch
2: you. fun to watch you like, uh, okay, I can work I, with I that. Haven't <laughs> seen,
0: I haven't seen Sudoku like boil down to vector, vector uh, algebra, but – In any case, if you find, like, the largest eigenvalue for this adjacency matrix and look at the eigenvector, the eigenvector consists of the weights for these pages.
3: So So, so I remember in the early days of Google search... um, it would publish your page rank next to your website. And everyone would be like really excited when they got upgraded from a five to a six and a six to a seven and a seven to an eight. And that was like, they gamified this thing.
0: Yeah, and it's in fact turned into an entire industry. So that's one of the things about the influence of Google search is the industry of SEO.
3: Although now pages don't have canonical page ranks anymore and and your search results are personalized to you. So
1: so I I have a question. So page ranking is the innovation, Right. So since we're talking about product, what, what takes it from like Google search from the moment where it's just like this cool
3: innovation? What turns that into a product? Really like, is good there... question. And this is where Paul is going to drop some science.
2: Well, it's, it's the opposite of science, actually. It's a cultural thing, right? So you've got in an organization, you have uh, lots of people doing different things. You have engineers who are writing code. You have uh, people doing marketing and you have uh, user experience designers and so on. Something needs to knit that world. Like you, and, and the goal, the goal is let's put a box on the screen. And when somebody puts something into that box, we'll get some search results. Someone has to kind of shepherd that box into reality with all of these different people involved. You've got your managers and you've got your engineers writing the search engine algorithm and dealing with the eigenvalues. And you've got your user experience person saying, like, what if we made the text blue or made things pop up? Someone's going to sit in the middle. And that person is the the product manager, and of course, this is a spongy term. Sometimes the work is done by a program manager. Sometimes it's a project manager, but actually less like as long as it starts with a P, <laughs> um, and has the word manager in it, it's a it's an okay job. But so there's. So, the product a pro- is the synthesis of all the things that happen and in technology into something a consumer or user can touch.
3: Okay, so I feel like I mean this almost sounds tautological, but it, I might be getting somewhere with here. Product is the thing that a product manager manages.
2: That's right. So a pro- yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> it's easy cuz you hear product manager and you think manager first, but their job is to manage the development of the product. There's also a term like Microsoft uses program manager and you're like, "Oh, what's the program?" And the program is like Word. Like it, it's not it all sounds very spongy, but these are actually very specific things. So the the search box like that is a that Google homepage is a very specific like product. Another one would be uh, so Twitter overall has like there is the the mobile product, the the web product, the mobile web product. So it gets broken down that way. But another thing that might you might call a product that like a Twitter would be if um, they just had we're we're coming out of the national conventions and they had a uh, it would put a little video. At the top of your uh, mobile phone, and it would be the live stream of the convention. And then there were tweets flowing underneath it. That new functionality would get bundled up and be called like the convention product. Interesting. And so a team would be assigned to that. Oh, we're going to need some engineers and some designers and some people. And we got to get smart folks. Oh, we need to talk to marketing and advertising and so on. And the product manager sits in the middle and is like, okay, we got to get it out. We got I, Yep, that would be really nice, but that's going to happen. That's out of scope. We're going to just and keep going.
3: Can you, and to, to, to bring this back to Google Search, um, what is it about Google Search as a product which became this sort of global phenomenon and wound up obliterating all other search engines and was so incredibly successful? Was it the eigenvectors and the page rank.
0: So I'm going to jump in and make a guess, and then Paula can tell me what I got wrong. Like, the first thing is, as a as a very early user of Google, it was so much cleaner than AltaVista. It didn't have all the ridiculous banner ads all over the, the web page. So that is a, a, a design... Design feature, right? And then it didn't have as much spammy result, which was an algorithm, direct result of the algorithm. So it was really both design and algorithm.
1: Can I also say, as a teenager at the time, like uh, when this was happening, the way word spread was, hey, this will get you results that you can use on your homework. Like that was really, it's like if you're researching something for homework. And other search engines wouldn't. with, With other search engines, you just had to search through crap. Like, and it was like, Google is like, granted, you know, I went to school with a bunch of nerds, but, like, that was sort of it. It was like, you can do your homework with this.
2: So what happened was – so Google, first of all, early days in particular, was not – the other search engines – everything that shows up like this gets gamed really quickly, right? So. People there for a while. You could put a little tag in your in your web page, and then the search engine would pick that up. Except that immediately, like you know, half the page people would just. Pre- the the real problem, just a tip pause, The real problem with the web is I can make you a billion pages, and I can do it. I can make you a billion pages on a hard drive and put them on the on the uh, on the web in like three minutes. I could do that right now on a laptop. So. I can create an infinite supply of kind of garbagey stuff, put ads on it, copy and paste different lines, and try to game and game and game um, the search engines. Google was smarter it used the, used its um, uh, the Pagerank algorithm and it got you the results that you wanted for your homework. It was able to kind of pick up on what was going to be the the more valuable. right So there's this all this backend stuff that's happening to make that work. There's all the, they're building the search engine. And over time, Google kind of has its own crypto operating system. It's got like over time, they've built their own like data layer and their own like the way you access that data. There's a thing called big table where they put this like their own giant database of stuff and everything gets built on top of that. So they're off building infrastructure. And on top of that infrastructure, on top of that platform, they build products. So one of those products that reaches out to the giant file system storage layer is google search and the main interface to access that for a huge amount of humanity is google.com or you know or the international version
3: so i mean that's that's a great explanation it seems to me that google became this global behemoth and has had the incredible success that it has had um kind of like I want to say the old fashioned way by making a product that was better than anything else out there. They always had
2: a real focus on quality, right? They focused really hard on spam and then every now and then they changed their algorithm for search and you know the one there's one called I think Panda. And Panda came out and it ruined people's lives. Like the content farms that had had arisen at that point, I don't know if you guys remember, but you'd go and it'd be this like the, the archetypal like SEOed article is this thing the Huffington Post published <laughs> called "What Time Is the Super Bowl?" And then like the entire article was just like the Super Bowl, comma which appeared blah 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 at six p.m. blah blah blah. Many I love people these
3: tags at the bottom saying Super Bowl NFL, exactly.
2: and it was really like the article is many people are asking what time is the Super Bowl, and it was just perfectly <laughs> optimized for someone to type in what time Super Bowl, and that article would pop up, and then Huffington Post would get the advertising revenue. And so, um, and so, there's always a give and take like that. Actually, that article did honestly answer the question: What time is the super? It would have been <laughs> kind of hilarious if it didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's,
0: so what they, do you like to know? Was the last line? of that article. <laughs>
3: then, Maybe you should try googling it.
2: <laughs> there was a. There's an organization called Metafilter. They got very. They got hit very hard as a community um, message board. And their Ask Metafilter is a was an early sort of. It came before like Quora and. Uh, and um, sort of Reddit asked Me Anything. It was a, a community uh, advice board, essentially, for any topic. And they got hit really hard um, when they changed that. Just like the algorithm just kind of saw them in a weird way as spam, and they Too weren't. Too many links. Yeah, exactly. And then they lost uh, a ton of advertising revenue very quickly. And so people people's jobs are at risk when they do this. So it is a big deal whenever they change this. And then there are a, a, a group of people... Who work? Excuse me. There's a group of people who work as um, search engine optimization experts, SEO, and they're out there being aware of Google is their job.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it has to be said though that like the other thing that happened in parallel to their their commitment to quality was that they f- figured out how to make just a shit ton of money.
3: And that's and that's a slightly separate question because there are other products called like AdSense and AdWords which yes. make the Double
2: money. Click. That's right. Those are other literally other products. So other product teams, other engineers and so on. What an organization like Google delivers ultimately, right? I mean it's it's so big it's hard to talk about it as one thing. But there's an infrastructure, there's a set of tools, there is a platform that when you come into Google, you have access to and can use this platform and it includes all the search. It includes the tooling and frameworks that they use to build things like Gmail. That You have that, that way, to, the way that Gmail looks, all those t- little buttons. You have access to those buttons so you can reuse them. So there's this platform, or actually a set of platforms, all the code, all the stuff. And so your job, if you're, if you're, to, if you're supposed to develop a new product at Google, your job is to come in, get to understand that platform, figure out what resources you have, and then build that new product. So a new chat app would be a good example. How do we build it here using the things that we have?
0: And just on on a slightly separate level, like the cultural level – Like, the word Google became a verb in two thousand. It's like Kleenex
1: or Xerox, same thing, where it's synonymous with the actual...
0: That's how deep this runs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I have conversations with my sons at dinner every single night where I make the imperative, we are not allowed to Google the answer to this for at least 15 minutes. We actually have to use our brains. And they look at me like, Mom, you're so ridiculous. Right, right, right. right. But it's like, can you imagine? Like, they they grew up, there was already Google. It was already amazing.
2: No, it's a given, right? They have that and then i mean and then there's a couple competitors like Bing and and sort of uh sort of off to the side competitors like duckduckgo which offers a different kind of experience more focused on privacy um, but they just own it they they are search and,
3: speaking and, and of privacy, especially their their search on on mobile but that's like i mean yeah that's that's again a slightly different thing
0: i obviously really appreciate google's products but right. i do want to say that they along with facebook have grown their surveillance state of this country magnificently like you there's not all good news right they also the double click follows people around to see what ads they see on other websites it's really really creepy what they actually whomp, have on us whomp. no but it's this a is debbie true.
3: downer no i'm no, I
1: mean, <laughs> no 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 that's true.
0: part of it like the flip side okay. of having this amazing product
3: all right so on which note that's a really good segue
1: Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
3: Kathy, to your point about the surveillance, we all now have um, trackers, these like highly sophisticated tracking devices basically implanted on our bodies at all times which follow us around the world and which know where they are at all times which know where we are at all times and know how we behave and know probably more about us than we know ourselves and the first and the first of these really um in many ways and the one which has kind of been lionized as as the greatest of its type is the iphone so this is product number two on, on the list of three products that we're going to be talking about today. The iPhone is a fascinating product because this is the one of the three, which is a thing. When, we th- when naively you think of the word product, you know, you think, well, what is the thing? And with an iPhone, you can point to it. You can hold it. It's a thing which exists. It's a physical object. Is, is that right? Paul? It is.
2: So this is where now you're, what you're backing into is how incredibly spongy and confusing the term product is. Because obviously there is a real fundamental different set of things that you need to understand in order to go build an iphone in a factory in china like you have to go you have to understand all this stuff about like antennas uh and and material properties of of metals and conductivity and the um, you know how hard the glass can needs to be and so it's a very very complicated thing to put together now it's also i mean it's it's also not exactly trivial to put together the world's largest repository of information and have one box be your access to it and google also is is has dipped its toe in in hardware many times right so but the sense of product that we're talking about when we're talking about the iphone it's almost like this order of magnitude um difference because it's such a degree of complexity they had to create not only make the thing which is hard they had to align it with the operating system and then they had to make things that ran on the operating system each one of which could be called its own product like apple mail or or that little stock app that never goes away (laughs) and that's a product you know so you have a little product team on that i'm sure there's like a bunch of people there's i can't remember the number but it's something like 400 to 800 people work on the camera on the iPhone, wow, Jesus! Yeah, well, I mean, but it's you think about it, it's like you got to get you have supply relationships. You got to think about you know there's optics, there's the research division. Like camera alone is a is a is a big thing, it's and then it has
1: the, you, an
3: app associated, well, which is its own. Yeah, right,
1: right. It's true. I mean, like people actually like in photo world talk about Apple as one of the best camera companies right now. That's And, right. like, and that's just one 800 person team within so, this.
2: So the thing that's – okay, so there are three terms here that are actually worth noting, right? So there's there's the product, and then there's a platform, and then there is ecosystem, okay? There's a, I know, right? All so right. this gets talked about a lot. So Microsoft – I'll just go in another direction really quick. Like Microsoft, you might go and get Microsoft Word, right? And that runs on uh, – on um, Windows. Windows, sorry. There yes. you go. You remember Windows. that guy. I tried to forget. <laughs> Mental block. And, um, so that runs on Windows – Okay. So that's kind of your, so that's a product that runs on a platform. And then outside of Windows, there's like SQL Server and Windows tools for, for developers and various kinds of cloud services. And then they go and buy LinkedIn and, and all this stuff. And that is, that's the ecosystem. That's the Microsoft ecosystem. The idea is like once you're in one of these ecosystems and you see this with Apple too, uh, where the developers use Apple tools to build Apple software that runs on Apple hardware. Okay, that is you're in it. You don't you never have to leave. You can just live an Apple life, make an entire living, have a whole career inside of the Apple ecosystem, and you and you those, never
3: even need to work for Apple.
2: No, you. Do, I mean, m- m- the vast majority never will. They'll go to the Worldwide uh, Developers or the whatever it is, the WWDC, the, the Developers Conference that they have. And they will learn all about how Apple, what Apple's going to do next for things like health kit. Like one, you'll go and they'll be like, Hey, we're going to be tracking, um, everybody's blood pressure. And, and it's like, if you want to build something on top of that, here's how that's going to work. You can use this code and you can bring it into your own products. And so, so you're like at one level, you can talk and this is tricky too. Cause there's this sort of ghost of Steve Jobs, you know, like he's in there and, and it, he became a story that people could understand about software. And mostly the story that was told was, Almost a lie. Like, I mean, I'm thinking about the movie, the, Mm -hmm. the Sorkin movie where it's like Seth Rogen is, is playing Wozniak and he's like, what do you even do? And, and, and (laughs) Jobs is like, I play the orchestra. And you're like, and it wasn't, I mean, that guy actually was like, you know, messing around with a soldering gun when he was a kid. He was there the whole time. Like he, (laughs) if he'd been writing code, it'd be like having, like, the fact that Steve Jobs didn't write code is, like, saying, like, why isn't Elon Musk a, a chauffeur? Like, it's just like he's not he, – he, there was never a reason for him to do it. So he's, like, this ghost of, like, the thing that people understand about technology is that Steve Jobs was really smart and could think really big thoughts. And so it kind of all gets lumped in with product and so on. But there's thousands of people working on all these things. So, pieces.
3: So, I mean, so I kind of feel like I stumbled across something maybe interesting here, weirdly. Um, <laughs> Because no, that's a shock. Well this done. is well no, his, his, here's, here's my new theory, which, which I've now got from, from what you just said, which is that we only started hearing about this job of product manager after the iPhone, really?
2: Yes. So what happened is actually the product such program manager role has actually been around on the West coast. You know, we're recording this in Brooklyn. It's been on the, on in Seattle and, and in, um, you know, Palo Alto and in the Bay area It's been an understood role for way more than a decade. Um, uh, You know, pioneered – a lot of stuff was pioneered at Microsoft um, where people were called program managers. Some of those people were getting pulled out of places like Procter & Gamble and being said, like, you know, this is your new brand. Your new brand is, is Excel. Go figure that out. And also you need to build the software. So there's a culture and an understanding about the education. Like, like you can go and, and really study this stuff at Stanford and so on. But then the iPhone comes out and suddenly you know, I was working, doing a lot of work in media and you'd sit down with somebody and they'd, they'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty good at design, but my true love is product. And you'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like you just, and it's, they, people came to believe that product was like, I get to say where the button goes. Okay? That, that How became, is that
0: not design?
2: Well, because someone's going to click the button. I mean, cuz people are crazy and they want to they want to give themselves the job title that sounds the best. And product is really vague and spongy. It's like calling yourself a, you know, an optimization
1: expert or whatever. I mean, isn't to some extent like It's sort of, you know, before product manager, you know, made its way to the East Coast, everyone was just VP of some division, right? Like, isn't there – isn't that sort of the more banal version of it? That's right. Like, VP web
2: or, like, you know, director of, of, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that that was the thing I noticed – around 2010, everyone, like small children, were calling themselves product managers. And uh, I was still like, oh, I build websites. And like, that was like something that like a, a dog does. So you want, nobody does that because they're, they're like, I synthesize grand visions. And, so
0: basically it's a thought leader within a company.
2: It, it's a thought leader maybe who can focus the a, a very specific set of disciplines in one direction – towards a set of goals right so that this person might draw you some wireframes and they might say the button goes here the difference is that a lot of people think the job is hey the button goes there as people are going to tap it the job is actually (laughs) like i have a set of uh i I have like three or four good engineering resources i know them i know that guy's really good i know that woman's really smart maybe she should do the python let's get him on the front end with the javascript we're going to set up like a twice-a-week meeting. We're also all going to be talking on Slack or FlowDoc all the, day, all the time. I need my UX person to get in here and, and like, hmm, what is this thing going to look like? I need to give them some direction. Is this going to be – do I want this to look really like iOSy, or are we going to do something new? Are we going to like – I don't know. I mean the, the, the brand is really orange. So do we do like an orange thing? Like It's those conversations times a million times a million. And um, and so it's like you, you're that person is sitting there going like branding, design, strategy, structure, style, marketing. And on the other side, they're going like engineer, et cetera, and engineering. And then they're saying, let's get it to market. What makes Apple unusual and, and what, what a rare human being is the person who can also do that into the physical world. The person who's like, I'm going to get on the plane to Shenzhen and I'm going to figure out how we're going to get that antenna to really work. That is like you're talking at that point. You're you're getting into the couple of hundred human beings who are really good at that.
1: You, you know what this actually sounds like? Like just registering my brain as is like the job of an executive chef like weirdly it's almost it's almost analogous where like people think of an executive chef as a guy who's just like sitting there like coming up you know, at the front of the kitchen having come up with you know where to put the parsley or something but, but maybe but, like,
0: an executive chef who also like fixes the stove with the gas the executive the gas chefs leak, yeah. are
1: sometimes responsible for doing that sort of I mean like they're well, almost
2: invariably right the executive yeah. chef has come out of the kitchen
1: yeah they know like your typical
2: a lot sometimes people are pure product managers and come out of it but a lot of them were you know did some programming word might have done on some design sometimes this again like a west coast thing you can kind of be a pure product manager for your whole career so that's there is that but a lot of people have practical experience and then they kind of it's one of the paths that makes sense uh for some engineers really to like move more into product if they have a good design and aesthetic sensibility because the ability to understand the technology is is the technology is hard and um and it's not that like one is more difficult than the other. It's just that like the cost overruns and the things that go wrong and the points of no return on an engineering project mean that cost can double or triple. And design can often be a little more iterative and a little more like just, it can just move faster and in different ways. There's some, some things you can do to keep costs from spiraling out of control, but a good engineering product that spirals out of control, it's really hard to get that back in the box. And Mm so someone who has an understanding and all of this, product management, all of this is about managing ship risk. That's like the one thing everybody would be like, yeah, okay. That's because it's so hard to get these things across the line.
0: Ship risk is like the risk that you will not ship the product. Exactly.
2: Exactly. So that's...
0: Whether that means like putting the website online or actually shipping something in a box.
2: That's right. Or it's like, you know, your, your head engineer has a cold. Or, I mean, just like it's all of those things. Or the marketing plan isn't ready. Or the, you have a CEO who tends to descend and um, make big strategic you know changes at the last minute are you a person who can manage that scope and push back and be like you said you wanted it january 15th and we're going to get it for you but you just said it needs. if i hit the button it has to make a barking dog noise so (laughs) um i mean we can talk about that and you know what i like to do in in this situation too like you run to the whiteboard and you're like okay okay how are we going to get this for you and you just like you write, "Mm, okay 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 and then you go like oh wait a minute damn it damn it I don't think this is going to work. Like you have to communicate with people and tell them and, under, and make them understand that you you get why uh, they want this and why it matters. And yet at the same time, the the actual real requirements of getting something across the line uh, mean that you have to say no constantly. So,
3: so this is, I mean, Steve Jobs, of course, was legendary at saying no. He was probably the best person ever to say no to just about ninety nine percent of the ideas. And it
2: wasn't reciprocal. Right? Like it was, it was a one way no, and you couldn't. Get, <laughs> um, yeah. But
3: Google as well, uh, you know, Google search was famously like they didn't put ads on their homepage mm-hmm. because, you know, that was saying no to, to just a license to print money. Was that Marissa Meyer? Was, was she the product manager for Google search?
2: I don't believe she was. I can't remember. She was uh, deeply in on maps, and she also huh. did quite a bit of work on. She did search. Some
0: Universal tr- Search was her thing,
2: right? She, and she was very into like A/B testing. She was like, "Let's right. try these forty-eight shades of blue." She was
3: that okay. was her thing. So, but let's wrap up the iPhone thing here.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
3: Yeah, I'm not even
1: sure we're talking about a product in this one.
3: I'm like... This yeah, is, Jordan is not convinced that Amazon
1: Prime is, is a
0: product. It's a status.
1: I, I'm having... <laughs> yeah, th- th- this is bringing up some philosophical issues about product um, for me. But So we're talking about Amazon Prime, um, which you probably... Good chance you're subscribed to. My household is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been around since 2005 when it was just two-day shipping. You signed up for 70-something bucks a year, and uh, your stuff from Amazon came faster, now it's just this like sprawling membership thing where you get music and video and groceries and just the... Mortgages. It, it, more, yeah. More, student, student, loans. Stu- student loans. Student loans. Yeah. Now they're partnering partnering with Wells Fargo for student loans on at a discount. I mean, at what point... I mean, is there someone who would just be Amazon Prime product manager? And, like, are there are there smaller, less powerful product managers who answer to the product god? It, it's guide? product
3: managers all the way down. Yeah.
1: Well, is it, is it's a, a Russian doll of product <laughs> managers. So,
2: <laughs> so one thing I should have done before I came in here, because I knew we were going to talk about this, and I, now that I'm, you're asking me, it's really helpful to go look at the help wanted for any of these companies. Go look at, like, what are the jobs that, that Amazon wants? Um what you're going to find is, uh, I mean, okay, so what that, what you just asked is, uh, would a, would, is Amazon Prime a product? Sure, it has a product manager and it actually is one thing. I'm sure there's somebody who is in charge of Amazon Prime. But what Amazon Prime really is, and this is also true of Facebook and this is how these giant organizations see themselves, it's a set of smaller products, mm-hmm. okay, all built on top of the Amazon platform and they're all sort of, um, They're adding value, and they add more value collectively than they do individually. So if you're going to plug the mortgage product into Prime, right? It's actually
0: a student loan service. Okay, so student loan service. I
2: plug that in. So there's a couple things going on there, right? Like, First of all, there's clearly some business model whereby people come to me, apply for student loans. I give them a student loan, and I'm able to make money from the student loan giving. And I make a, I make some software and I do some back-end rules and analytics when they put in their information about who they are. I also happen to know a lot about them because they're Amazon customers and they buy things. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you don't get a student loan if you just, like, only buy hentai, like, on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> like, that could be an auto- – No, sir. <laughs> exactly. Like, an automatic rejection. Right? Loss like, leader. Loss leader. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I truly have no idea, like, what is the accountability that – that they have um, for uh, the identifying who and who doesn't, who does and who doesn't get a loan. They have a tremendous amount of buying behavior about people. They know an enormous amount about people's credit. Not shockingly more than. Uh, a bank would. However, at the same time, they're going to make an assumption that their in, their information about human beings is valuable in a unique way that lets them have a, they have a different business proposition than almost any other institution collecting information about humans. So they, I, they have, know,
3: I have a, a slightly different way of looking at Amazon Prime, which is that um, these product these mini products, um, do not need to make a lot of internal sense. You can just take a bog-standard Wells Fargo student loan, knock a few, you know, basis basis points points off it and say it's cheaper than it would otherwise be, and subsidize the cost of that student loan by writing a check to Wells Fargo. And that is now a product. And the reason why you do that is exactly the same as the reason why you spend millions of dollars creating TV shows, um, which have no revenue associated with them. Uh, and, and you get, and people watch for free when, when they have an Amazon Prime account. And the reason why you do that is because what you want is for everyone in the world to have an Amazon Prime account. Because when people have an Amazon Prime account, suddenly you as Amazon start making loads of money and those people wind up buying toothpaste from amazon which they would never normally do and so what happens is they sign up for amazon prime because they want the cheap student loan or because they want to watch mozart in the jungle or whatever and that's like a loss leader to get them into the habit of getting their toothpaste on amazon and that's where amazon makes money
0: i'm i'm going to Actually, venture a third guess, but it's not, it's pretty close to Felix's, which is that, yes, it is a loss leader for now, but in the meantime, guess what they're collecting? Data about who actually does pay back their loans or not. So I feel like they're... It's, yes, it's a way of sucking in, get more people into this platform to live within the the world of Amazon, which is getting larger and larger. And in particular, what thing they're going to grow into is loans. It's a big, well, big
1: field. I I, I would be – I'm I'm not 100 percent sure what their direction with student loans is in particular. I just – because it is this weird partnership with Wells Fargo. I wouldn't – I don't know if I'm ready to say that that specifically is going to be like them taking data on you. But I, I do want to come back to this. Um, idea of ecosystem. I kind of wonder if just Amazon Prime is now becoming the Amazon ecosystem. Like, this is... Amazon... Especially with Echo, you know? So I guess what I would say, is Amazon itself is a
2: very... It's a, it's a new kind of ecosystem compared to the ones that Apple or Microsoft came up with because you've got the web hosting service so that people can build all their stuff for... They can build new platforms on top of that. That's like an ecosystem unto itself. That, the AWS hosting service is like the... Default web and app and product platform development ecosystem. So that's that's like you go there to build a platform so you can build products. So they're like one level meta over there. Meanwhile, they've got their whole world of various products and platforms. Like is Twitch a product? Sure. I go there and I watch people play video games. Is it a platform for video real time um, live streaming video delivery sure is it an, it's not quite yet an ecosystem but it's part of the larger ecosystem of amazon content delivery like they are it's like 70 elephants and 20,000 blind men. That's what Amazon feels like to me. Like, you're just like, you're just groping and groping and groping. You don't know if you have a trunk. You just don't know what the hell is going on there. And it's so big
0: that- Old men, blind men are groping blind men, basically. Yeah, exactly.
2: It's just a big blind, Jesus. old blind man orgy. And, um, and so- With some elephants. Yeah. Ugh. And exactly. It actually sounds great. It's like a I- tail or I- is it a? I a- all right, What's? I'm looking forward to that email. Um, so, uh, sorry, sorry to everyone in the blind community because I'm just garbage and I shouldn't have used that analogy. Okay, so, um, but that's the thing; like, it's just this this very opaque giant thing, and um. So it, you can't even tell but what I noticed is as we were talking right you were started talking about like well are they built is this a product on the platform like that is actually the right way to talk about these things like it's like the ecosystem is this very broad like where am i okay i, I the ecosystem is like i need an x i better go over here and you don't even think about like if you're in micro, planet microsoft you don't even think about does apple have one of these you just go like i need to store my data well, i better use one of these five microsoft products Okay, yeah, um, so Amazon is a little bit like that with the web serving stuff, like with the with the web services
3: and then prime specifically as a as a product because i mean it, it does it does come along much later than a lot of other things it comes along not only later than the you know selling books on the internet but it comes along later than the web services it 's a relatively late comer to the amazon universe, the Amazon jungle, you might say, and then it um, <laughs> and then it's it grows and becomes this just behemoth. It becomes like one of the biggest em- elephants in the jungle.
2: I mean, that's just classic business, right? Like they're like, oh hey, we're making some money over here and some money over there, and like let's let's bundle these all. It, you know, this is an organization that's so big that it actually contains multiple conglomerates inside. Like it's it's it could be ITT. You know, it's just like these giant messy things. Like Prime is it's an unholy union it's just kind of well we can get money and kind of accrue value and and a, by
3: how many people at amazon do you think have clarity on how the whole thing works is it
2: A remarkable number. They really beat their people hard. I mean, we know that they're very hard on their people, but their people are very smart. Like you you go into one of these orgs, one of these big companies, and they'll be like, okay, well, you've got about eight months to get going, and then you need to develop some products with, you know, and we need like a $1 million a week run rate. You know, you need to be, you're going to have this platform, and there's billions of dollars flowing through it on a regular basis, and you need to figure out how to build something on top of it that will generate millions of dollars. That is your personal responsibility. You're going to have a team of 140 go to work. And everybody kind of needs to be in lockstep on that or it
1: doesn't work. Amazing. That's, that's daunting. So they have
0: local clarity, but does that – I mean, does anybody actually know overall what's going on? I
2: think Occam's razor always applies. You're like, what is this crazy thing? It doesn't make any sense. And the sense it makes is like somebody really wants it to happen because they see some long-term upside or it's, or politics are winning. Or it's just making money in some way that you don't fully understand yet. But you can always back it out. It's like somebody was like, well, you know, if we Wells Fargo approached this and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, just put it in prime. And, you know, it's like it's never <laughs> – it's not that complicated. Then somebody gets the spreadsheet, right? And they all sit around a table and there's like, you know, six people. And somebody's written a memo and, you know, six people go like, yeah,
3: this sounds good.
2: I don't know. Let's give it 14 people and we'll just get it all built.
3: I mean, it's just like there's not. (laughs) Let's leave Amazon there for the time being.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: And I want to tie this up by talking about what all of these things have in common. The thing about all of these products is they've really, or all these three products anyway, is that they have changed the way that hundreds of millions of people live as Kathy was saying like you know you're sitting around the breakfast table and you're googling um and the the way you're googling is that you're using your iPhone and Amazon Prime has completely upended the um the way that we consume not only goods but now sort of media services as well and even financial services that rather than sort of schlepping to a shop and buying stuff or, or or you know but you know whether it's a good or whether it's a movie or um, or whether it's a loan, you just like there's this amazing cloud which can rain all of these things down on you, which is a membership thing which you belong to, and it changes the way our, we live. Alexa, I mean, just, Alexa, can you get me a student loan?
1: Exactly. <laughs> I mean, just
0: you know, just to to add to that, like my because my kids are the, uh, the the sort of born in two thousand two thousand two, um, you know, the, I. I've been renting a house last week or so, and we went to a grocery store. My kids had essentially never been to a grocery store before because we use, well, Amazon Fresh. You know, I mean, it's just there's it's always it's 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 a complete overtake of the way of life, especially for kids that are like Wi-Fi enabled.
2: I mean, I think this story will get told in the future in the same way that it's like, oh, you know, you used to go to the the supermarket and uh, a man behind a counter would put everything in a bag for you, and then one day they were like, hey, let's give everyone a shopping cart, and that's how the you know suburban supermarket revolution, like these these sort of ch- sea changes occur,
3: you know, and these, and then they generally roll up right, so you know, I mean, unless you're some kind of hipster farmers market type person, you know. We have grocery stores, you know, and everyone used to go to grocery stores all the time precisely because they were a kind of rolled up, more convenient way of doing your shopping than going from the butcher to the baker to the fishmonger to the, you know, so on and so forth.
2: I mean, so I think all of these organizations would tell you that they're in this very virtuous um, relationship with their users. Okay, they would say, we listen, we're taking feedback, people are telling us what they want, and we're looking at what's going on. They also kind of know what people are logging into, what they're using, what they're buying, what they're doing. And so, So, I mean, I think the one thing that you could say is, is remarkable about all of them is that given their size and scope, they are able to evolve. The iPhone has... People will complain about it, but it has evolved dramatically from its earliest days. It didn't have an app store. It was a low-powered device. It didn't have copy and paste. That's right. That's right. They just said, "We'll, we'll get to it. And And they're still,
3: I have to say, like, you know, however many years later, the copy and paste is still pretty crappy. It's just a
2: nightmare. And actually, it's one of those things (laughs) that, no, it should have been in the essence of the product. Like, the worst is when you, like, want to copy a a link to a URL and you bring up the little sheet and it's just like you have to find the copy and paste. They made it bad. Regardless, um, so… Google search is another one like they continually evolve their actual infrastructure in order to react to how people behave. People start to game the the search and they they adapt to that. And um, Amazon Prime is, you know, bundling together a set of a set of services and businesses so that they will all connect and start to, to feed into like a larger uh, a larger entity that. They're telling you over and over again, like, and, and maybe they're right, is just really what you want. And I, I swear to God, I mean, like, they won. Like, you can't – I don't know people – middle-class America can no longer function without Amazon.
0: Here's my, Here's a pet peeve of mine, which I'm actually kind of devoting the rest of my life to. Like, no no academics are studying the, the influence of these things, as far as I can tell. It's It's essentially – It's too technical, too technological. And also because
3: it's moving too fast. Like, it used to be that if you wanted to create a thing which would touch a billion people, that would take... 50 years, right. and then it, you would be this massive company, and people would have a history of it, and people would understand it, and now you can do it in, like, an afternoon, and everyone's like, what the hell is Snapchat, and yeah. where did it come from? And it's, it took, like, six months.
1: I would also argue that they don't fit neatly. Like, studying these issues don't fit neatly we don't any have academic a, discipline. We don't have a point.
0: discipline for this yet. Yeah. It's just, it's a pet peeve of mine. I mean, maybe it's complete, it's completely... Is completely consistent with the ivory tower problem with academia. But I'm just saying, like, who? It's, it's, we're talking about how much of a strong effect it has had on our society, but who's actually studying this? Well, and the answer is like Facebook is studying what happens to people who look at Facebook a lot, and maybe Google's studying what happens to people who it, spend it a lot like of time for on social.
1: Like, that would be like a, a technologically uh, inclined sociologist would be like, the there aren't person. that many
0: of them. Yeah. But
2: there are, there are some very good, I mean, um, Zena Pisecki is uh, she's great. If you don't, she's follow, great. She's her. great. Um, I'm know, not there's, saying there's
0: no one. I'm just saying no. it's, it's small.
2: It's a small cohort of people who. Here's why. I mean, we're in here having this conversation because a single word that seems to actually define, you know, a, a pretty significant percentage of the modern economy is a complete puzzle. Yeah, like, you're just like, what the hell is product? And we made a little progress today, okay? <laughs> but I mean, it's like it it's huge and it's interdisciplinary and like the core set of tools that we have for talking about things is just doesn't apply to this space so i'm like i got to introduce you to like user experience and i have to introduce you to engineering just in order to get a baseline and those are two things people don't understand so it's like here's two abstractions and then we're going to layer this other abstraction management layer that also fits in with the larger goals of you know uh Digital enterprises at the scale with two hundred billion dollar market caps. So it's literally like you're asking me, like, what's AT and T in in 1965? Like nobody could really describe it. So that's the the struggle. We're having that conversation about. um, We're having that conversation about abstractions, and the academics can't do it because literally they can't get you know they won't get tenure talking about this.
1: They can come on a podcast though. It's true. When, and, and, there's always podcasts. There's
3: always podcasts. And that podcasts themselves are, are exploding into an ecosystem. I have thoughts about the podcast ecosystem, which I will come to at some other point, um, in some other format maybe. Um, that, I don't know if it helped. I think it helped. I hope you maybe me. perhaps you understand what a product is but I know for a fact you're all going to start writing in to um, SlateMoney at Slate.com with the same request which is can you please just make sure that Paul Ford comes on every week because he's the best
0: I think somebody suggested that Paul replace all three of us yeah Paul yeah. should just monologue
3: at slate <laughs> Money from now on a
2: great conversation I love this conversation so um, listen well no I think this one actually I think uh, this might have solved that problem for you I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> there's a t- like, can you describe large, vacuous areas of space? Sure. <laughs> I'll do
0: my best.
3: I, you did it wonderfully. Yes, you did it well and wonderfully. So thank you, Paul. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you to Viralyn Williams, the producer, and the executive producers here, Steve Liktai and Andy Bowers, who do all manner of amazing things on iTunes.com slash panoply. So we will talk to you next week on Slate Money.